0: Is it possible to be successful and be happy in 2022, or the other way around? Is it possible to be happy and successful in 2022? So, in this episode of the Harun Rabani podcast, we are going to explore some very important myths regarding happiness and success. So given that 91% of people who set New Year's resolutions fail by the end of the year, and that only 3% of people attain anything substantial over a period of time because they set very specific, massive goals, then what are the chances that you are going to be a success and what are the chances you're going to be happy? If you follow the traditional narrative, then truth is you're going to be miserable. You'll be happy every now and again, but generally you'll be miserable. So let's first of all start off with the definition of happiness and the definition of successful. Success is considered as something that you set an objective, an aim, a purpose, and you achieve it. That's success. So you could be successful at many things and at many sizes of success. could be something minute or something very, very big. Happiness, on the other hand, is a feeling. And most people associate happiness with the hormone dopamine, when in reality, dopamine is more of a motivator. So a lot of people associate it with a happiness, but actually it's the motivator that gets you going so that you have this sense of happiness. So dopamine is more of a motivator. Serotonin, on the other hand, is something that's produced within your gut as well as your brain and it's related to internal pleasure, so happiness with your current situation. It's called contentment, and dopamine is more external-related. Now, one of the big pioneers of modern day psychology is a psychologist-scientist by the name of Abraham Maslow, and you've probably heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. His hierarchy of needs cover, at the basic level, physiological needs, which is food, water, warmth, rest, your safety and security needs. The next level is about belongingness and your love needs, so intimate relationships, friends, and then esteem needs, and then self-actualization, so you're achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. And actually, he added another bit in, which was later on, which is about your spiritual needs. And herein lies the problem. He published his Hierarchy of Needs paper in 1943. But actually, the work started long ago in 1930, when he was only 30. He went and spent time with the Siksika tribe in the Blackfoot nations, which are the first Americans, the first nation people. And when you look at what he discovered, actually, we in reality, you and I, most of society are chasing the wrong things to achieve happiness, to achieve success. Maslow is researching how social hierarchies have a dominance of a certain number of people over another lot of people. So if you look at capitalism, for example, democracies, you have prime ministers and presidents at the top and the elite at the top. And at the bottom, you've got the workers. And this could be dominance over government. So That could be communism. It could be a dictator. It could be a king or a queen. It could be a fascism, basically a country run by corporate interests, and they have dominance over the general public. In essence, that's what he was looking at. He found something totally different in the Blackfoot nation. He found that 80 to 90 percent of the people of the nation, had a high level self-esteem, which was equivalent to only 5 to 10% in traditional society. I'm talking about American society. 5 to 10%, of course. Fast forwarding today, it'll be even less than that. So, the vast majority of people, 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 people, had high self-esteem. Whereas, in traditional society, it was about 5%. So, One out of every 20 or one out of 10, 10%. And the question you got to ask is why? Why are they so happy and they don't look wealthy? And yet with modern day technology and all the luxuries of modern day living, obviously we're talking 1930s now, why are people so miserable? Because in essence, 90 to 95% of people had low self-worth, low self-esteem. So he wanted to look at different aspects of society within the Blackfoot Nation And here's what he found. The wealthiest people gave all their wealth away. They'd even have ceremonies where the ones who are at the the wealthiest level, they'll bring together all their goods and possessions and give it away to all those who are in need. He found that somebody who is a lawbreaker, who broke the rules and norms, they weren't locked into prison. They weren't kicked out of their tribe. They were treated with high regard and they were, expected not to behave in the way that they originally behaved, breaking the law. And so the whole nation came together. The whole tribe came together to support that individual to change. The third thing was in child rearing. When they raised children, all children were treated the same. And in fact, a fourth element is this, that if you're born in the Blackfoot nation, you are considered self-actualized at birth, that means you do not, which compares by the way, you do not need to prove your worthiness by getting qualifications and doing things and collecting stuff. Compare that to society today. A child goes to kindergarten and nursery. First thing is he or she needs to learn how to mix with the other kids, which is fine. And then they go to primary school and eventually high school. And throughout, from primary school onwards, it's all about conformity. It's all about attaining results and passing through grades. And once it passed through school system, then it's to the university and college. And when you're at work, again, there's a gradation system, which totally goes against what the Blackfoot Nation were practicing. Why does this present problem? It presents a problem because modern day society is based on the Darwinian theory of survival of the fittest. That means that, say, out of every 10 people like you, the only person who will survive is the one who's the most successful, which is interesting because that puts you on a back foot. That puts you in this place of if I can't prove myself, I will not be worthy of accolade, of recognition. Whereas in the Blackfoot nation, from childhood, they were given the accolades, the recognition. And when it came to poverty, the Blackfoot nation didn't have a word for poverty because nobody was left aside. Nobody was denigrated because they hadn't achieved. So everybody, including the wealthiest, well, for them, wealth was not in the possession. In terms of lands, we do a lot of property, investing in the UK and US, etc. And you get very wealthy doing that. Well, you are the land, you belong to the land, land belongs to you. Nobody can have a monopoly of a square foot, a square meter of land. It belongs to everybody. So given the fact that you are self-actualized, how do you progress in such a society? This is not a communist society or a Marxist society. So once you've attained self-actualization, which by the way, the fact that you're born yourself actualized. The next stage for them is about community actualization. So they get their spiritual purpose, their happiness, their joy through service, through serving others, not just um, regarding food, but in all sorts of manner. And then finally, the final stage is cultural perpetuity. So here's what Maslow discovered amongst the Fa- First Nations. First Nations often consider their actions in terms of the impacts of the seven generations. This means that one's actions are informed by the experience of the past seven generations and by considering the consequences of the generations, the seven generations, to follow. That is absolutely phenomenal. What it means is, is you are thinking of succession planning and your wisdom is brought from the past and you do this through storytelling, through guidance and mentorship. And so this is the basis of their happiness. It is not about the outer stuff, but it is about service. Now, I'm not saying that you and I in society shouldn't have stuff, but keeping in mind, this stuff comes from Mother Earth and it goes back to Mother Earth. Do you really own the property that you live in? Because it's probably made out of bricks or wood and it goes back to Mother Earth. And if you've got a mortgage, guess what? The bank owned it. And if a hurricane or a storm hits it, guess what? It goes back to Mother Earth. So we spend an entire lifetime trying to save up for a house to pay for the mortgage. And then finally, what are you left with? You're going to go to your grave with absolutely zero. So When it comes to happiness, here's what I discovered. Most people are not happy because they are inauthentic to their true nature. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they stand for. And there's some great work done by people like Dr. John D. Martini, who talks about about the hierarchy of values. And that's something that I would strongly recommend you do, is to look into that. And one of my friends, her name is uh, Jo Medwell. She's also taken this to another level and she talks about the core driving values. And so the core driving values works like this. It is who you are. And how do you discover that? Now we can't go into that in in this video, but needless to say, I'm going to give you some ideas of how you discover it. First of all, what are your core driving values? These are the things that you do that gives you true pleasure. So as an example, my five and usually you go for five, five core driving values in order is number one, significant contribution. What does that mean? It gives me true joy and happiness when I'm making a contribution in a significant manner towards individuals, whether they're clients, whether it's a charity, whether it's a family member. For me, it's so important that any relationship I have that I am making a significant contribution to their life, it is totally high up there. So when it comes to, for example, if I was to look for a job, then I will say, does this value the significant contribution? Is this something I'm able to do in this job? So if it's a job which is an admin type of job behind the scenes, and I'm just typing away or collating data, that won't work for me. On the other hand, when I used to sell medical equipment, I was, as far as I was concerned, I was helping save lives. Was I making a significant contribution? Yes. So if I took on a job that did not match that value, then I would be miserable. Whereas if it matched this value, I'd be happy. The next one, can I be authentic in this role? Can I be myself? Can the people I'm working with, can you accept me for who I am as I am? Or do I need to change? Authenticity also applies across to private personal relationships. Do you have to walk on eggshells, put on a mask and pretend you're something you're not? When you do that, you are compromising your true health and happiness. My next value is freedom. Is this work that I'm doing allowing me to express my creative freedom? Am I being held back? So, for example, for me, I could never do a piece of work that involved me following bureaucratic rules and never being able to express my creativity, that it just totally goes against my natural being. And whenever I've done any kind of projects or roles that curtailed my freedom, it meant that I would be miserable. So another example of where freedom matters is if I'm in a relationship where there's codependency, it would drive me nuts. Or the other way around, if I have to be the knight in shining armor all the time, then it's like, well, hold on, I'm stuck with just saving you. Why can't you save you? To me, that is a true sign of unconditional love, which is when you have so much love that you totally and utterly trust each other and you can go off and do your own thing. You would never compromise that relationship, but then you don't feel like you're stuck in a relationship. And by the way, all these values apply to work, business, and any kind of relationship, any kind of project you do. The fourth one is compassion. Is this allowing me to operate from the space of kindness, caring, and compassion? One year of my life, I was a headhunter. Basically, it was a telephone-based job and it was hardcore selling. I hated it. And I actually fell ill for a few weeks from stress because it was a job that I just felt like I was stuck, not being my authentic self. And there was a lack of compassion. It was total BS for me. Fifth one is about being centered and grounded. What does that mean? That means that I'm not just working out there and doing things for nothing. I want to get paid. Is this grounded? Is this going to support? the rest of my life. It might be a relationship, but is it grounded? So is it an eerie fairy fantasy where running around, being happy and merry, but not realizing that maybe we need to spend some time earning some money, paying the bills and so on. So groundedness can be different things for different people. But the important thing is these are my five core values. They help me make decisions. Any project that I do that are aligned to these values will ensure that I stay happy. So this applies to you as well, my friend. What job, what project, what goal, what kind of intention do you have for the year ahead? And then look at your values. How do they match up against your values? Now, a lot of people, if you ask them what their values are, they will say, I have no idea, or they'll probably guess it. So one of the most powerful ways that my friend Joe developed is actually finding out what you are not. For example, I do not like being stuck. I do not like being curtailed from expressing my creativity. The opposite of conformity to me means freedom. When you look at all the things that you are not, and rather than focus that, hey, I'm not this, and you take the opposites, then you discover true values. So I don't know if Joe is still running her values discovery days. I'll ask her, and if she does, then I'll put a link and you can go And spend some time with joe and it takes an entire day by the way to discover your five core driving values because there's a heck of a lot of work that goes on so far we've talked about intention in this self mastery series we talked about massive goals we already mentioned about values and insecurities and david heiner mentioned that by knowing your values by knowing your insecurities your voids by knowing about alignment you discover that you are closer to your purpose than you've ever been. Now, here's the thing about purpose. One day, you might have a purpose. The next day might be something else. So one of my purposes was to be British kickboxing champion. And my long-term purpose was to be world champion. When I got to becoming British kickboxing champion, I thought, huh? Is this it? Do I really want to go for world championship? Because although it felt great, it also felt empty. And that was because I was chasing stuff out there. What I found, on the other hand, when it comes to serving others, and it doesn't have to be just charity, but people who are in need of something, whether it be healthy, I do that through my work. I help a lot of people with their chronic health disorders. And we're talking about people who are very sick, transform their health. Oh, my goodness. Yes, the money is good. But most importantly for me, way above that, It feels like I am on purpose. And a very big part of your purpose and your happiness is going to be about supporting your meaningful relationships. So your children, if you have children, your parents, if they're still alive, your soulmate, supporting them will also bring true meaning. And so tomorrow's episode is all about developing meaningful relationships. Believe you me, when you find out how important meaningful relationships is. You can see the link now today about happiness and success. Can you be happy and successful in 2022? Yes, you can. Number one, know who you are and what you stand for. That's your core driving values. Here's what happens when somebody, just imagine there's a spectrum on this side and this side. On this side, they have absolutely no idea what their values are. So they fall for anything and they're dragged into anything, by the way causes a lot of stress, anxiety. They're easy to manipulate, they're easy to control. Let me repeat, it's easy to manipulate you, it's easy to control you. Here in the middle ground is the person who knows who she is or who he is, knows what they stand for and lives accordingly. They respect their own values and they realize, just like your fingerprints are different to everybody else's, that no two people have the same set of values and the same kind of permutation. They honor other people's values. They respect them. might not agree with them, but they at least respect them. So you've got that. No values, knowing your values, living by it, respecting other people's values. Then the other end of the spectrum is, these are my set of values. They're the only set of values. Usually they're being told what their values are, by the way. Everybody else should follow my values. You know the people on this end? They're called extremists. Some call them fundamentalists. Truth is, they don't know their values because everyone's values are the same. They're following a set of values, might be religious, might be atheists, it might be people who are Marxists, whatever it is, they are on the extreme. They are the people who are most dangerous. However, so are these people because they are most likely to be drawn in by these people. So it's so critical to know who you are, know what you stand for. That's the first thing you do. Go and find out what your values are. If you're my existing clients, then you either already know or we're about to do some work in that area. The next thing is check that whatever goal you're setting, is it something of service to others? Third thing, before you even start setting your goals, actually, come to the realization that you, my friend, are enough. You don't need anything. You might say, well, I need to eat. Yeah, sure. Their they're basic needs. They're not, you are self-actualized, you are perfect as you are. Everything you do, everything you will be or are being is just a bonus. Everything is just a bonus. Consider the fact that you're watching this video and you've learned something, it's a bonus. Let's say tomorrow you wake up and you're not dead, it's a bonus. So as the Buddhists say, wherever you go, there you are, basically it means instead of chasing something to be happy be happy and it's okay to go after stuff as well be happy anyway i hope this video has been useful feel free to share and um, make comments and let me know what are your biggest takeaways from this video thanks for watching bye for now